Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, welcome to Shining Brightly. This is your maestro with the mic, Howard Brown. It's a Shining Brightly day because we have an amazing guest. I can't wait to get into uh, and chop it up with Amanda Blackwood. Amanda, how are you today? Fantastic. How are you doing, Howard? I'm great. We've got a fall day in Michigan. The leaves are falling and changing colors. It's uh, it's going well. It's dumping snow here. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, snow in the in in the Rockies is is always a, a thing that happens in the fall. So I hope you're loving it. <laughs> I know my husband is. <laughs> wow. I have to tell you, we have an amazing story, an amazing author, amazing artist with us today. Amanda, give us a give us a short bio. Uh, tell 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 the viewers about you. Okay, so on my business card, it says that I am an author, an artist, a survivor, and a speaker. Um, I'm actually a survivor of human trafficking, and a lot of what I've written and a lot of what I have painted has all been part of the therapeutic process for me to get through and beyond the past and learn how to be a public speaker on my experiences. Um, I live here in Colorado with my husband, my foster kiddo, and my six cats. Only six. Only six. Uh, when I met my husband, I had four and he had two. So between the two of us, we have a petting zoo. It's the petting zoo Brady Bunch, right? The Brady <laughs> Bunch for cats. You got six. Wow. I, I, I was going to ask you, give me something unique uh, and, and uh, different that no one knows about you. But uh, wow, you already have something. But tell us, <laughs> tell us something else. Um, I actually have plenty of those little unique things. So one of the things that very few people know about me is that I've actually gone to school to be a dental assistant. I am a certified dental assistant here in the state of Colorado, and I've never done the job. You know what? You take training and you've learned from it, but you didn't put it to use. That's okay. You got to uh, find out what uh, makes you happy and, uh, and what you want to do. So that's interesting. You chose that path and then you didn't end up uh, doing it. That's okay. We all make choices in life. I, 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 I want to get a little more serious right now because um, when we first met uh, and you and I, I had a, had a pre-conversation about this, um, your story is, is one just remarkable to me. And, and I learned a lot and, and we're going to teach our audience today a lot about trafficking. And I, after we finished talking, I, I just got real emotional because um, you had said something to me that was truly stunning and remarkable, meaning that I said, I had never met anyone that had been human trafficked. And do you remember your reply, what you said to me? You probably have, and you just don't know it. It made me sad um, because you're, you helped educate me uh, to the cause and uh, with your particular story. And I, I, I want to uh, the audience and the viewers to know how serious this is and, and hearing it from your story and um, how you picked yourself up off the ground because it's, it's truly amazing. So, so describe, uh, describe your trauma and uh, let's start there. Uh, so I started off with some early childhood abuse, uh, being molested at four. I was then molested again at 12, again at 13, again at 15 and raped at 17. Um, but things got really serious at 18 when I was trafficked for the first time. I was trafficked three different times in my life, once at 18, 
once at 19 and once at 31 years old. And people are usually shocked by this because what the media portrays as being human trafficking involves nothing but children and children it's it's horrible when it happens to children but that's only one quarter of all the victims worldwide under the age of 18 most are over the age of 18 and this is a huge problem that's being largely ignored because it doesn't match up with what the media says it should look like I didn't even realize that I was a survivor of human trafficking until I went to a conference in 2018 and I started to learn more about it. I was going to the conference because I wanted to fight back against what was happening to the kids. I didn't have any clue that this was something that had happened to me and I still needed to learn how to fight back against that too. I know, and you also um, enlightened me by telling me there are types of trafficking, not just sexual trafficking, there's servitude or slavery trafficking. And um, I, I, there's probably others, right? I'm sure I'm missing some. Oh, yeah. Forced marriage. Uh, there's organ trafficking. We don't have a whole lot of organ trafficking here in the U.S., but there was a case just recently, I believe in San Diego, where a man woke up in a hotel room with one missing kidney. Um, and we've been seeing a lot more of that here. I, I mean, here in the U.S., it probably takes up less than 1% of all trafficking cases, but it is starting to seep in. Uh, sex trafficking is huge here in the U.S. and forced servitude, labor trafficking is uh, definitely on the rise. Uh, but the 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 most uh, popular form of trafficking worldwide outside of the U.S. is labor trafficking and child soldiers. Huh. I'm just trying to take it all in. Wow, it's a lot. I know it is. So tell, tell us more of your story. Continue. So when I was 18, I was dating a man who was more than twice my age. And this man decided that he wanted to uh, give me a free trip to Las Vegas with a buddy of his. So we jumped on an airplane and I went with his friend to Las Vegas for a birthday party. I didn't realize that I was the birthday party. I was being given as a gift to exploit and do as they pleased with. Um, in their words later on, it was cheaper than hiring somebody once they were in Las Vegas. So it was a $99 ticket to get there. And that's all they had to spend on me other than the food. Once we got there, I was told I was not to leave the hotel room. I could get room service only once a day and the hotel had strict instructions to leave the food outside of the door. So there would be no questions and nobody thought that I was being trafficked. They, nobody asked any questions. They never asked if I was okay. Um, I was stuck in that hotel room for 52 hours. And after 52 hours, we flew back to Vegas and people have asked, I flew back to Arizona, which is where I was living at the time. And people have asked me, why didn't you just leave the hotel and go to find police there in Las Vegas? Well, I didn't trust police. I had already been a foster kid myself. I was moving in and out of my home. The police kept on taking me back to the abusive situation because those are the people who said that they had uh, authority over my life. And I didn't trust the police anymore. Um, if I had just left the hotel room and had gone out on the streets of Las Vegas, I would have been, been in a worse situation than what I was already in by being there and being molested and raped. I wasn't ready for that. So I waited until I got back 
to Arizona and I grabbed my stuff and I left that place as quick as I could. I bounced around for a while, for a little while I was homeless, um, ended up marrying a different abusive man who was more than twice my age. And in my efforts to escape him, I left and went to Florida to go stay with my grandmother. And when I got to Florida, my grandmother left me at the Daytona Beach bus station and said that she wasn't going to take me in. And it came out later on that it was because my parents had called her and told her that if she took me in, they would never speak to her again. So I was taken in by a young couple who told me that they would allow me the time and energy to get on my feet and they would give me free room and board while I did. As little as, as they had, they were willing to share it with me and I was grateful. Uh, but when they said, until I got on my feet, what they really meant was until they found the highest bidder, because they sold me to a guy named Esteban. I was locked up in a small room for 23 and a half hours with no food, no water, no bathroom facilities. And thankfully, I watched a lot of MacGyver growing up and Richard Dean Anderson saved my hide. I was able to MacGyver my way out of that room and I ran, ran for my life. And again, I ended up homeless for a little while bounced around from one place to another and depended on the kindness of strangers in spite of what I'd already been through. Um, I ended up out in California and I lived there for a number of years and I was constantly looking for uh, acceptance and love and appreciation in whatever way that I could find it. I never had it as a kid growing up. And this is part of why I kept on ending up in these uh, horribly abusive relationships is because that was the person who was offering that kindness, as well as what I was familiar with from my youth. Uh, when you grow up with abuse in your own household, uh, people become conditioned to believe that the abuse goes hand in hand with love and one does not exist without the other. So these abusive relationships were what I was familiar with. It was the way I had been raised. This was normal. This was comforting. This was comfortable. And I was afraid to leave that. But I had known one particular man the whole time I was in California. I'd known him for seven years. He was a police officer in Scotland. And I had known a couple of police officers that had kind of uh, uh, changed the way that I saw the police. Um, I was getting to where I was trusting them finally. And this man, I was watching his daughter grow up in photos. And we just always stayed in contact. And he lived too far away. We were never going to have an actual relationship. And we had resigned ourselves to that. But after seven years, he finally came over to see me. I went over there to go and see him. And we decided that we were in love and that was all we needed. And we were going to spend the rest of our lives together. So I got a fiance visa. And in January of 2011, I moved over to go be with him. And it took him seven years to get me there. And it took him seven days to start trafficking me once I got there. Almost instantly, he had my passport, my driver's license, all that stuff, everything. Um, and it took me uh, 152 days to be able to get my way out of there. I spent what little money I had left on an emergency flight home after less than a month of being there. And I ended up so sick with a severe kidney infection because of the abuse that I was having to endure that I ended up missing the flight. And the ticket was non-refundable and it was every penny that I had. It was an upside down time. I ended up uh, convincing him that I had Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> and I told him, 
at the end of my visa, if we're not married, you can get in trouble and lose your job as a police officer. And we don't want that. Um, <laughs> I was pretty convincing, far more so than I just was. <laughs> um, I convinced him that he needed to either send me back to California for six months and I could return or he needed to marry me. And I was praying that he didn't choose the option of marrying me uh, to keep me there. And he went for it. He was convinced by my act that I had Stockholm syndrome and that I was in love with him and I would return to him and to the abuse after six months. So after multiple attempts of uh, convincing him, he finally bought a round trip flight for me to leave Scotland and to go back to California for six months. And if I had used the round trip flight, I would have landed back in Scotland six months to the day after I left, just in time for Christmas. And I'm proud to say that I still have that ticket and it's hanging in a shadow box filled with things that I did and did not do my year back uh, that kept me alive. Now let's, let's give you a break for a second because uh, I, I know you tell your story and you relive it here, but it's, uh, uh, you shared with me the details of, uh, of basically servitude, slave labor, cleaning that house, taking care of a child, um, you know, uh, servicing him sexually. And um, it's just yes. a lot <laughs> yeah. for, 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 for people to take in. So, and, um, you know, but God, how, how do you, how do you even move past this? I, I, I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm helping other cancer survivors try to rebuild their lives and put their uh, survivorship plan in place. And um, how, do you, how do you do this? And how do you help others to do this? It's just, uh, please share. I didn't know how for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned my shadow box. I've got a sh huge shadow box hanging on the wall just outside of my bedroom door. Mm -hmm. And this shadow box has uh, tickets and pictures and mementos and fridge magnets and all kinds of stuff hanging in it of all the stuff that I did to keep me busy that first year out. Suicide rates among new survivors is just incredibly high. You don't want to survive after something like that. You feel broken. You feel like you're less than human and it's a horrible place to be. It wasn't until after I had been out for a while and he started putting up photos and, and videos of me being raped during the molestation um, that he started putting all these up on different pornography websites and making a bunch of money off of it. When he was doing this, he was putting links to my social media. People were able to find me and they knew who I was and they were sending me pictures, screenshots of these videos. And it was, it was awful. So I had to go into therapy uh, to try and figure out how I was going to get through this. And eventually I learned that if he's going to make me famous, people might as well know the truth. And that's when I started standing up and fighting back. And I wrote my book and I started getting on stage and just this became a part of who I was rather than just something I was running from rather than just the past. This became a part of my mission. And I knew that if this was happening to me, it was happening to other people too. And they needed to find their voices. They needed to figure out how to fight back. It's not an easy thing to do. And not everybody can write their book and not everybody can stand on stage and talk about their own traumas, but they can process it. They can move through it and beyond it and have productive meaningful lives, even after massive amounts of trauma, it's still possible. 
It is. And I mean, there's a lot of exposure to this now with the Jeffrey Epstein case. Yeah. And the Ghislaine Maxwell case now of, of trafficking young women. And um, I love that you said, know the truth. People need to know the truth because uh, we live in this digital society where half the stuff that's put in front of you, you have no idea if it's fake news or real news or anything as well. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so you, your, your recovery process it, it has started and is, is, is probably continues forever. Um, and now you also help others. I do. I have a podcast where I, uh, interview other survivors of trauma to give them a platform to be able to talk on. Um, most of the people that I interview with the exception of maybe two have not written about their experience. So typically it's, it's authors who have these experiences and they want to also help other people through. So they're trauma informed therapists and they're people like yourself, they're published authors who know what they've been through is not an anomaly. I mean, you're, you are an absolute miracle and people need to know that this kind of miracle is possible and that there is healing and there is recovery. And that's, that's kind of my goal in life is to make sure that people recognize this and they realize that if they need help, there's help available. They can reach out to me directly if they're being trafficked or they're a survivor of trafficking and they need that help to be able to move beyond that and find organizations to be able to help them. I didn't know that that kind of help was available to me until I got involved with an anti-trafficking group out here. And if it hadn't been for them, I wouldn't have had that therapy. I wouldn't be where I am now. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do feel very blessed, uh, very grateful and very lucky. And I know you do too, but you are courageous. You are the <laughs> definition of courage. Um, so I guess you, 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 you told me before, how you, how you got to celebrate the wins because you've had plenty of losses or devastation going on. So how, how do you celebrate the wins? Um, sometimes I make myself a cookie. Uh, <laughs> I love to cook. Uh, sometimes I will go and purchase a nice big juicy steak and I'll cook it for my husband because I'm not supposed to have very much red meat. Um, I have Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I cook him a big juicy steak, I'm going to get a bite or two. Okay. <laughs> That's you, yeah, but also I, I saw the most beautiful picture on LinkedIn today of you painting in nature. Thank you. I hope that brings you joy too. I absolutely love it. So that was part of my therapy also. I just started painting in January of last year, and I'm now painting my own book covers, including a historical fiction series. Um, and I'm highlighting that on my social medias right now, just because it, it's been a fun series for me to paint. I've got four in the series completed. There's going to be a total of 10. Well, that's awesome. I, mean, I love that you're putting your energy into that. Um, so where do you derive your inspiration now? Oh my gosh, my husband is probably one of my, my biggest uh, inspirations. Um, all my life, like I said, I was searching for somewhere that I could be accepted and loved. And I always saw it as coming hand in hand with abuse. Um, he's been through some kind of crazy stuff in his past also. And because of that, he did go into counseling he learned enough about himself and about the way men react to things versus the way women react to things. And I've never known anybody more patient in my life. He is patient and resilient and kind and gentle and understanding. And did I mention patient? He's very patient. Uh, <laughs> he's all the things that God knew that I was going to need in my life long before I ever did. 
And he has been such an inspiration to me. Uh, he gave me the ability to now pursue this full time rather than going into dentistry or continuing on working for corporations as some little peon in the bottom of the totem pole and struggling. I'm a high school dropout with really very little education. Otherwise, I wasn't going to make ends meet very well. And because he's been able to support me in this way and just tell me, go do it, go pursue your dreams. Because of that, I've actually been able to make huge strides just this year in my writing career, in my art career. And it's, it's been amazing. You might not have formal education, but you've developed street smarts, toughness, resilience, and you found your knight in shining armor who is patient and loving and unconditionally and and, and, and so deserved. It really, really is. So um, there are going to be people asking for resources. And um, what, what, what do you tell someone that's going through this? And um, do you have resources for them? Yes, uh, probably the biggest resource that I know of right now here in the state of Colorado is a group called Covered Colorado. Covered Colorado is the group that I partnered with um, they were the ones to find the therapy and the counseling for me when I needed it most. They offer other services to survivors as well, such as housing, um, food, um, daily essentials, cooking classes. They do um, life skills classes. I mean, just all these stuff that, that a lot of kids learn growing up in normally functioning households, but that survivors of abuse and trauma and human trafficking never got a chance to learn growing up. And they're hugely beneficial, very helpful. Um, the national human trafficking hotline is a big one. They're willing and able to help people get out of those situations and find safe places for them. And, the other one here in Colorado is Shift. Shift is who was putting on the, the conference in 2018 where I learned enough about human trafficking to learn that I was actually a survivor. I've since partnered with them. I am on their board of advisors as having my li lived experience. I'm a subject matter expert. I go around and speak with them at local schools talking about the uh, safeties and dangers of social media for ch uh, children and teenagers. Um, and they just, they're doing amazing things. The founder of Shift, uh, his, his shift, his, his mindset has kind of shifted in recent years. He's no longer doing the big conferences. Instead, he's uh, building an algorithm intelligent software to help teach people and train people across the nation on what signs to watch for when it comes to human trafficking, um, how to prevent it what to do if you spot it, who you can contact. And it's just, it's amazing. I love being involved with this kind of stuff, but John DeYoung is his name and he's just, he's mind blowing with the ideas that, that just pop out of his head on random occasions on ways to be able to fight back. Yeah, we're going to put the 800 number and the website links um, that'll scroll across uh, on, the, on, the, on the podcast. Um, which book do you want to feature today? Um, <laughs> we have a few. So which book would you like to tell us about? So my autobiography, Custom Justice, this is currently in talks of being either a film or limited series within the next year or so. I'm very excited, but also terrified because this means everybody's going to know my life story. Um, this book starts well, off- they're going to know the truth about your life story. I want to go back to that. <laughs> yes, that's, that's very true. Um, it starts off when I was four and it talks about some of that early abuse uh, without going into graphic details, but it 
it does show how I was predisposed to being more susceptible to being trafficked later on. Most victims of trafficking did grow up in abusive households and they just like me were looking for that love and acceptance wherever they could find it. Um, this book I started writing in December of 2020. I finished it in December of 2020. It's 300 pages and the very last page ends with my own baptism. So it's, it's my, my How does, uh, where, 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 where does someone get the book? Uh, this is available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. They can also get it from my Etsy shop. If they want a signed copy directly from me that I will send to them personally with a little note. Um, I'll say where else I said, I think, I, I think there's a couple of copies on eBay, but I would say, don't get those. Cause that means that somebody else has read them. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll, we'll get the book links and uh, we'll, we'll get the SD link as well. Um, how, how do you want people to get in touch with you? They can always reach out to me through my website, detailedpieces.com. They can email me directly, authoramandablackwood at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook, very active, uh, facebook.com slash author, uh, facebook.com slash Amanda Blackwood Survivor. I'm on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter under at detailed pieces. You can be found. I can be found and I am so, willing to be found. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, last word as we come to a close. Uh, if you're interested in human trafficking, get educated. It's not what it looks like in the media. Um, less than 2% of all victims actually survive. The fact that I'm still standing here and still able to uh, breathe is a miracle in itself. Of those 2%, even less are willing to talk about it. So as we said towards the beginning, you probably have met a survivor of human trafficking and you just don't know it. And in some cases, they might not know it either. Incredible, incredible. Thank you for spending time. Um, my book, Shining Brightly, is doing really well. Uh, speaking gigs are, are happening and publicity. And it's uh, we're, we're both helping people get back up after they got knocked down. And um, you can reach me at uh, my website, shiningbrightly.com. And um, I just want us to put on some glasses today together, Amanda, because you are shining brightly in the Shining Brightly spotlight. Uh, thank you for sharing on a very tough subject, but a necessary education, just the fraction of education that we're able to give the audience today. And I am uh, grateful for you and thank you. And I just wish you strength with your knight in shining armor and um, what, what a great information and your story. And I do hope it gets to be made a movie. People need to know the truth. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. This was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.